If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Trying to make heads or tails of this loss against the Patriots on Sunday at Akershore Stadium. A, a real bummer for Steelers Nation, I think. Huge one. A lot of people had plans of at least being 3-1 and one, uh, in this first four-game stretch of the season once you stole that game against Cincinnati. Oh, beat the Patriots and the Jets at home, no problemo. Browns game on Thursday night, that's a little tricky. Who knows how that's going to go, but you can afford a loss. Now, you lost the game to the Patriots. You don't really want to afford another loss. Two and two. You can't afford two one. and two is okay, but it doesn't sound as great as three and one did, which is what you were staring at. I'm not as confident in the Cleveland game now, obviously after what we saw on Sunday, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I'm as confident in the Jets game now after what I saw from them and Joe Flacco right. on the past which, couple of Sundays. So which way are you going to lean? Are you going to say, oh well, the Jets beat the Browns, so we can beat the Browns, but oh crap, we have the Jets the week after. Are we going to lose to them? You're not going to go 2 and 0 against both of those teams, you don't think, right? No, I don't think so. I I actually have a feeling that they're probably going to lose on Thursday short week. Browns have to stay at home. They're hungry after losing that game to the Jets in an embarrassing way. I, I don't know, but and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves we'll do predictions as we get closer to the game, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's just like night and day the mood it, it, heading into the Patriots. Oh man, they're going to beat the Patriots. They're going to have a good game against the Browns, beat the Jets. We're going to be looking at four and one or three and one. It's going to be awesome. Perfect start to the season. You got a division win under your belt. This is great. And now it's just the complete opposite where it's like, I can't believe they lost to the Patriots. They have no chance to beat the Browns now in a short week. And Flacco's balling out. So the Jets, now they're going to be one and three. It's just, it's, it's the, the nature of fandom. It's the nature of, of this sport and how things can change so quickly week to week. But the one thing that needs to change more than anything else is this Steelers offense. And yes. like I, I mentioned, or I used the phrase uninspiring in the last episode that we did. Mm-hmm. I really think that holds true. I mean, they just aren't, uh, they don't do anything exciting. Like you look at Mike McDaniel in the Dolphins offense. Yeah, you you've brought at, him up to me a, a couple of times. And this is a bad example because of what happened last night. But yeah, you look you, at Kevin O'Connell mm-hmm. in the Vikings. In Minnesota, like, sure. Like they do interesting things. And I got to be honest with you in that Vikings game last night, there were a lot of great schemed open players that just dropped the pass. Like Dalvin Cook, a couple of nice little like motion swing passes, get him out in space, just dropped it right in front mm-hmm. of him. Uh, I forget, was it Irv Smith? I forget the wide receiver. Who caught the touchdown? Wide open Well, he caught the touchdown. only touchdown. The, uh, it might have been him again. Mm-hmm. He literally was yeah, wide right, right. open, walk into the end zone, and it went right through his hands. So, mm-hmm. like, 
even there, you're. I know they only scored seven points, but I can. I just pointed out two specific plays. I remember that I was like, "That's creative scheme. That's good offense. That's how you work guys open down the field." And the players just didn't execute it. You're not even seeing that with the Steelers. It's not a matter of, "Oh, well, that was a nice way to use Claypool. I wish he would have caught that ball." Or, "Man, Deontay lining up uh, mm-hmm. in some jet motion. That would have been great to work out if he didn't, you know, bobble the pass and only get one yard because he had to." hesitate to secure it before he could turn mm-hmm. upfield. It's not even that. No. They're executing, honestly, as well as I think that they're capable of executing. Maybe Mitch is the one that you could say there is not executing his part of the, the the line his part of the offense. But for the most part, everybody seems to be doing what they're told to do. They're just told to do a lot of vanilla, boring things. Mm-hmm. No, it, it is I think vanilla or boring or whatever adjective you want to use that's along those lines is applicable for this offense and I said this in a previous episode and I'll say it again to you Tom that this has been the narrative of this team for the past four seasons now 2019, 2020, 2021 and now in 2022 the defense is solid, it's got the playmakers it's it's, it's got the ability to get to the quarterback and force turnovers and the offense is completely incapable of helping the defense out. And that is how these games have been lost. Not because of the defense, because of the offense not complementing that defense well enough. There's two schools of thought here. Matt Canada isn't calling creative enough plays on the offense. He's not opening up the playbook enough. He's not drawing stuff up 15, 20 yards down the field. He's not utilizing the middle of the field. Mitch is just not going down the field. He's not. The guys are open. He has receivers that he's missing, and he refuses to take any risks, and he decides first read's not open. I'm checking it down. First read, second read's not open. I'm checking it down. No improvisation to keep the play going. Third, fourth read, none of that. It's just first, second, check down. I don't know why it can't be a combination of both. I don't know why it can't be Canada's not calling enough of, you know, deep down the field plays, opening up the playbook enough also, when he does do it on rare occasions, Mitch mm-hmm. isn't taking advantage of it and hitting guys that are open down the field because I don't I don't know the pressure is getting to him or he re- he goes through his reads too fast or he's just having trouble reading the NFL's de- the NFL defense. I, I I can't imagine that he's having this much trouble reading NFL defense because when he's been in the league why would he, and why long. would he still be in the league? Mm-hmm. Like you know now if if he can't read a defense, you know for a fact that he's out. He's out of the league. Like. But he's still there. He's still kicking. The Bills gave him a chance to rehabilitate himself. The Steelers giving him a chance to start now. Uh, Bears had him for four years, made the playoffs in half of those seasons. Like, you can obviously assume that he has some basic comprehension of what a defense is doing on, in the NFL level. But you've also heard the criticism of him that he can get a little, you know, happy or happy feet in the pocket. And first read's not there. I'm just going to hit He's Jordan Montgomery go. out of the backfield, or Dave Montgomery, or I'm going to hit Najee Harris mm-hmm. out of the backfield, and that just has been his career track record dating back to Chicago. Yeah, and here's the thing, Tom. I wouldn't have a problem with it if he held on to the ball for another three to four seconds, a second or a third or even a fourth read. If you can read the full the whole field and say, okay, nobody's here, I can maybe get us three or four yards on my own, I'm going to do that. I would have no problem with it whatsoever. It's his fear that if his one guy is not open, then he's not going to throw the ball. And that's actually something that we saw a lot of over these past two weeks, right? I believe his total targets, percentage-wise, to just Deontay, 
uh, Chase Claypool and Pat Fryermuth make up, I think, about 90% of his targets. And when you think about it, when you have a guy like Najee Harris in the backfield, when you have a guy like George Pickens who can get you on any deep route you possibly could ask for, there's no reason that three guys should be getting that many targets on a team that has this much this much offensive star power. Yeah, the Pickens thing is really confusing. Uh, I mean, why do you draft this guy in the second round? Why does he have such an impactful preseason like he did to just not be a part of the game plan whatsoever? You thought, and I think we all were hoping that he would be like the X factor in the game plan and be Mm -hmm. like, everybody's expecting Deontay, everybody's expecting Chase. We're going to hit him with Pickens a lot early in these games. A lot of these scripted plays on our first drive are going to go to number 14 and really get him involved in the game. And when it didn't happen against Cincinnati, I thought, okay. First week. Why not against mm-hmm. the Patriots? First drive. You always script your first drive. Let's get the ball to Pickens' hands on a slant on the first players. Just give him the ball. Start making him feel that confidence and start building that connection between him and Mitch. And he just he just seems very uninvolved in the offense. And Completely. I, it's not even a matter of I don't think he's getting open. No, I think he's getting I, open. I think he's just like the third or fourth option on the 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 read and Mitch sheet. Doesn't and Mitch have doesn't the go patience. to the third or fourth option. No, he option. does not. And you and I were here on Sunday working the game, and we were saying to ourselves, it, the the timing was kind of weird. We were saying, haven't seen a lot of Pickens, and then we heard the call by Bill Hillgrove, and Pickens had made a great catch, and we got to watch it, and it was a phenomenal catch. And he can do that for you almost any given play. But the fa- fact of the matter is, he's not given that opportunity at all, or hasn't been given that opportunity at all over the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, you know, we were crazy with the hype train with George Pickens in the... the Rightfully so, though. His one catch he had on Sunday against the Patriots was an over-the-shoulder, toe-tap of the sideline catch. It's what it's what he was marketed as as capable of doing, and he did it. And that's what I was gonna say is that it's not even like we were hyping this guy up, and we were just terribly wrong. Like, oh, uh, he doesn't have what it takes. No, when the live I, bullets I, start flying. It's, I refuse to believe that we were wrong about him. No, I think he is gonna be a, a stud in this league, and it wasn't just us. I mean, you Peter Schrager on Good Morning Football is doing segments on Pickens mm-hmm. and saying how I can't believe the Steelers always find these guys. Like Packers can't find a receiver to save their life, but the Steelers just get George Pickens, and like he was the fi- one. One of the favorites to win offensive rookie the guy, of the year. The guy started the preseason with plus thirty five hundred odds to win rookie of the year. I think Kenny he was finished the- tied for first with Kenny at plus nine hundred. Went from thirty five and came in like twenty second or twenty third place to start, and then was tied for first at the very end with Kenny at plus nine hundred. And now he's just nowhere to be found. No. And he's not a part of the game plan. And that's it's- and unless anything changes, he won't come anywhere near offensive rookie of the year. We were talking about, I don't know who's going to win it this year, but it's not going to be George Pickens if this continues. We talked a lot about you know Mitch. Whenever there is chances to go down the field, people have noted that he's he's not taking them. He's not Mm-mm. reading third or fourth reads and, and getting them the ball. But at the same time, it's so clear that the players are frustrated with the play calling. I mean, you're hearing the post game comments from Mitch Trubisky, you know, saying guys, you want to throw the ball into the middle of the field more, maybe call more plays in the middle of the field or. You know, you want receivers to catch the ball here. Well, then receivers have to be instructed to go there. Or you hear a story. I don't know if this is fact or not, but people were reporting that you Mitch would relay the play in the huddle mm-hmm. late in the game, and there'd be, like, groans from the other players in the huddle. Mm-hmm. Like, the receiver would be like, really? Like, we're running that? We're like, what? Like, and I'm not saying that's Mitch's fault. I'm saying, you know, you got to open things up. And 
I think you can sell the players on what Canada was doing in that first half of the Patriots game, and you're not going to get any any pushback because you know we're going to try to win this game on defense. We're going to try to protect the ball. We're going to try to be a run heavy offense. But like once the team is down seventeen to six, seventeen to fourteen, and these same vanilla plays keep getting called in, these professionals, yeah, they're they're paid to to be there and they um do this for a living but there's mm-hmm. also a lot of professional pride with these guys as well and they want to win these football games and you know you they're smart football people so like you can't just like treat them and I'm not saying that they're treating them like idiots but you can't just expect them to not once you get later in a football game and the same thing you've been doing over and over again hasn't been working to get just a little to frustrated. Roll, just to roll just over to be, and, be, and be say, like, yes. okay, well, sure, you're the coach, I'm the player, you're the play you're the play caller, I'm the playmaker, I'll do whatever you say. And there's no number seven there. No. To, you know, Brian and I were talking about this the other day, our PD, Brian, just like there's no guy now. Mitch doesn't have the cachet to like roll into Canada's offense and just be like, you got to open things up. You can't keep doing this. Like, right. If Ben if had Mitch... that ability, Ben could be like, listen, Matt, like we're, we got to have a long talk about this. Like, that's, I don't think that Mitch has that grounding yet. And obviously, Kenny or Mason don't either. The conversations about Kenny coming in for Mitch have already begun, which are ridiculous. But will Kenny do anything different or will the offense here's change the, here's at all? Here's the thing. If Mitch were to have that attitude, the Ben Roethlisberger attitude, and say, well, it's it's my offense, all right? I'm the one out there running this stuff. I'm allowed to make certain play calls. I think that would cause an issue between Mitch and the coaching staff, right? Between Canada, Tomlin, and Mitch, don't you think? It would. Because who is this guy to come in as a first-year guy with the team after being a backup in Buffalo, after getting booted from Chicago and say, with his ego, it's my team, I'm going to lead it the way I want to. I think Kenny has a much better shot of coming in if Mitch has that attitude because Tom and Canada are going to say, we don't want someone who's going to come in here and just demand, demand, demand. Yes, I I agree with that. I don't think it's time to pull the trigger yet on that move, although... Matt Williamson put it this way when he was on the Mark Madden show yesterday. This is the first time this question has been posed, do you switch the quarterback? And I'm actually thinking about it mm-hmm. for a second. Like, And I kind of agree with that. You know, yeah, I, I, you have I, to. I don't think it's time, and I, I think that I personally put more eggs in the Matt Canada needs to open up the playbook basket more than the Mitch is just check down Charlie and not taking any risk whatsoever uh, basket. So... I think that this is more to point towards Canada and the offense in general is just bad and it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It's going to look this bad because it's the way that the the offensive coordinator is asking the offense to Mm -hmm. look. So, you know, I I land more on that side of the fence. Than you do on the Mitch. Then then it's time to get Mitch out of there. Mm -hmm. If Kenny's in there, that's the spark you need. He's going to put up 50 a game and this offense is going to roll. If Kenny's out there, Najee Harris all of a sudden is going to hit all these holes that were there for him. Yeah, right. Like this offense is what this offense is. And unless the guy at the top calling the plays is changed or told that he needs to drastically change his game plans, I don't know who, or I don't think any of the quarterbacks are going to make any discernible difference. Maybe Kenny makes a, a big play here and there that Mitch didn't, but is that the difference from putting up 14 points a game and 21 points a game? You know what I mean? Like It's not like you're going to just become some prolific Buffalo Bills, I'm putting 41 on your head uh, every single night. Right, you're you're tied, or the game is close. It's like ten seven, uh, Buffalo to Tennessee going into like what halfway through the third quarter, and then all of a sudden you look at the screen and it says, "Oh my gosh, it's forty one to seven. Where did that come from? 
I also think that it could ruin Kenny if you throw him in there a little too early. Okay, and so I'm if glad the you... offense is so bland like this, and it's just so bleh. Like what is like? I don't know what that is going to do as far as his development is concerned. Maybe it helps him, but do you need to take that risk? Not right now. I'm glad you brought that up about being too early. Tim Benz last night on Monday Night Quarterback laid out the three possible entry points for Kenny to come in as a starter this year. Okay, let me guess them. Sure. The first one's coming up after the Cleveland game. Yes. If Mitch is bad in Cleveland and they lose, then you have a long week to implement. Yes, that's the first one. Second one's the bye week. That's one of them. You sk- oh, I skipped one. Benz has got one in the middle between uh-huh. uh, the, Cleveland the, and the, the bye week. week and the bye week. I don't know what that one would be. It would be after the Tampa game you because get, you get no Buffalo more Buffalo and, Buffalo and no then more Tampa. Tampa. You don't f- put him through the ringer through those two games. Miami is uh, yeah. I mean, pretty good right now. I mean, so. Miami on offense is good, but Miami on defense still has let up what thirty eight points against Baltimore. So their defense, sure. I mean, obviously, we know how good their offense is. I'm not really sure if their defense is that solid. It's just up to Tua and company to keep up with the, the opposing offense. So I don't know if I fully agree with you there. Can I ask, though? You Dolphin hater. No, I'm the one on this show who likes the Dolphins. We I love the Dolphins now. My team is the Dolphins. Your team is the Vikings. That's how it's gone the last couple of years on the show. But can I ask? So I, I, I laid you out Benz's three entry points. You you named two of them to start. What was your third that you were going to go with originally? Because uh, you would you would, you would thought the first two like it was it was, it was going to be like one of the like last few weeks of the season. Like you know yeah. you have like three games left. Just throw them, you're out of the playoff race. So but I think that's there. a total mistake. If you wait all the way until then, I think that's a complete mistake to wait that long until you're out of it. Yep. And then yep. say, yep, yep, oh, yep. Well, I'm just going to risk Kenny in these last couple of games. Keep in mind, always going to be those last three games, always divisional games, right? We know the last week is against Cleveland. I believe second to last week is against Baltimore this year. Yeah, it's Baltimore-Cleveland. I don't want him going out there against the Baltimore defense, against Miles Garrett in the last week of the season. Fighting for playoff spots. When the Steelers have nothing to play for. Yeah. Yeah. Deshaun Watson will be back there for the Browns. Yeah. Ranking Benz's orders of appearances – as far as the ones that I like the most, I think okay. after the bye week is number one. I think that's probably mm-hmm. best case, well, not best case scenario. Best like case scenario makes- is Mitch playing really well and never having to come mm-hmm. out. Number two would be this one coming up. Oh, really? Because you've got that okay. long week and you've got a lesser opponent mm-hmm. at home after that long right, week. Right, you got the Jets. Lesser. I don't lesser, like. Lesser, though. I, hey, Joe, <laughs> Joe Flacco, MVP candidate. Possible. I don't really like the wait until after the Bills and Bucks game. Because I'm very freaking impressed with the Dolphins and the Eagles right now. And mm-hmm. both of those games are on the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Eagles just shut down a really good offense in Minnesota's offense. I know Kirk Cousins sucks on Monday Night Football, and he has those stinkers every once in a while, and there's a lot of drop passes. But, like, Justin Jefferson was taken out of the game by I Darius think he had, I think I saw something. Justin Jefferson had one catch. Darius Slay, who was guarding him all day. Had a catch. Had two catches. Oh, did he? He I had th- two interceptions. I think he had two catches, yeah. So... He was taken out of the game. Adam Thielen, you didn't hear a word from him. Dalvin Cook didn't. Like, that defense in Philadelphia is really good, and their offense is catching up. That's a good team right now in Philadelphia. So I agree. 
I don't feel that comfortable with, oh, you got past the Buccaneers, Dolphins and Eagles on the road are much easier opponents. I, I don't know about that. I think when we were going through our schedule— Would you be surprised if Eagles or Dolphins are better than the Buccaneers this year when it's all said and done? You know, it's, it's odd that you asked specifically about the Eagles. When I was doing the drive uh, a couple of weeks ago when Matt and Dale were doing their season predictions, Dale had his NFC rep for the Super Bowl— as the Philadelphia Eagles. Dude, I don't think he's that crazy yet, at least through the first two games. Jalen Hurts looks good. Mm-hmm. Really that does. is a strong dude when he runs the football. That's a really good Philly team. The Dolphins, like you said, defensively, maybe they don't scare you as much, but they're going to score a lot of points. Sure. So you have to be able to score points against them. So that seems like a rocky point uh, for the Kenny transition. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. It's not all about the quarterback, though. Offensive line hasn't been great, but, dude, they look better against the Patriots in the run department. Yeah, that's something that you're not really hearing a lot about. The running back was not hitting the right holes. Trey Essex, former Steeler, great Twitter follow, Mm -hmm. and uh, he's a frequent guest on a lot of shows in our cluster, uh, still follows the Steelers and has an analytical eye when he watches them. He posted a screenshot on the Steelers' first drive, mm-hmm. and he diagrammed how this is textbook perfect push mm-hmm. from the offensive line. There's no reason why Najee's bouncing, bouncing this to the out. outside right. right now. He said this is predetermined by number 22. He if knew you, he was going to bounce outside no matter what. If you look at that photo, you know how we've we've criticized the offensive line for allowing Najee to make his first contact at either behind or at the line of scrimmage? If you look at that screenshot that Trey tweeted— Najee isn't making first contact with anyone for the next five yards if he just goes right up the middle. That offensive line, you know how we always say you have to have that push, right? You're being pushed backwards was the biggest criticism of the offensive line last year. If you look at that screenshot, the offensive line is already three yards down the field. It was textbook. You can see from the TV monitor, from the TV uh, perspective, you can see that blue line of scrimmage line Perfectly clear. It was you know pretty- why? It's because there wasn't a single offensive lineman at or behind it. They were all two or three yards ahead of it already. Yeah. No, it's textbook. Like Trey Essex was saying, this is exactly what you want to see. That mm-hmm. was predetermined for Najee to bounce it outside. And then another one that I saw on Twitter this morning as I was laying in bed before I came in here. Steelers in Patriots territory. I forget exactly at what point in the game this was. Najee Harris takes a handoff. And he runs to his left, mm-hmm. and he runs right into Found a pile it. of people. Tweeted by Josh Carney. Yeah. Yep, Josh Carney on Twitter if you want to see the play. Dude, if he takes the handoff, puts his left foot in the ground, and cuts back to the right, you could drive a freaking truck through the hole that was there. And he had one safety who was already crashing to the other side of the field, who so he'd have to change his momentum and try to catch. That's probably a touchdown if he cut. Er, not, there's a very good chance it's a that's touchdown. That's at least the first down. That's ten yards. Fifteen. Right there. Yard, he has a safety to beat who is already off balance. So like that. And you know what was really upsetting that, about that? That, that that freaks me out. That Najee's having vision problems like right. that. I, what, what really upset me too is the fact that he planted his foot to break outside, and by doing that, he planted too hard and kind of tripped forward, and he was just stumbling into the offensive line. 
Not the offensive line that he could have been running past, right, in that open hole that you said a truck could drive through. He was just running into his offensive linemen who were standing in front of him instead of just cutting up the middle. Yeah, it's very concerning for a guy that is, in everybody's mind, trending to be a top-five elite running back to have these kind of vision problems early in the season. And when the offensive line is so bad and they give you gifts like they gave you on that drive that or that play that Trey Essex diagrammed, on that play that Josh Carney diagrammed, like you have to capitalize. And that's part of what you draft a guy in the first round to be a running back for. Oh, our offensive line is below average, but when they do give him a hole, he never misses it. His vision's always A1. If there are C's parting, Najee's going to hit it. Now, maybe he's playing hurt, and maybe that has a little bit of a factor to it. I'm not going to rule that out. But for the first time in over a year, you kind of put more blame in the lack of running game on Najee's vision than you Mm -hmm. do the offensive line playing poorly. I mean, you have not... You have not heard the people in Pittsburgh, the collective media, discuss the offensive line anywhere near to the way that they were discussing it, whether it was in the preseason or all of last year, right? We were concerned uh, leaving or, or after that final preseason game against Jacksonville that this offensive line is really going to be an issue, could be the, the ultimate hindrance to this offense. That's not the case. Not the case at all. And... That's encouraging, kind of, but also discouraging when the results aren't being had despite better offensive line play than I think we we would have expected. Another thing with Najee that I would like to see more, and this goes back kind of to Canada and brings us full circle here, when they scored their touchdown, their best drive of the game, they drove 75 yards down Mm -hmm. the field, they scored a two-point conversion, they made it 17-14. to They hit Najee out of the backfield in the passing game like four or five times and got him out in space, got him into one-on-one matchups, and he picked up first down after first down after first down. And then it went away. You didn't see any of that at the beginning. Nope. Before that drive, you didn't see any of that after that drive. It just went away. You know what? Get you know- him involved in the passing game. If he's not going, if the line's not going to open up holes for him in the running game, but more importantly, if he's not going to have enough vision to take the holes that are there, make it easy just on him, give, give him, him one-on-one space, matchups right? out in space. As we've said his whole career, Opposing defenses now recognize if you send one guy to tackle Najee Harris, he's not going to bring him down. So absolutely, get him that open field space. That's what he can work. That's clearly what he's more comfortable with right now. Absolutely. So uh, that's another thing that I saw when I saw it happening on the drive. I was like, "Thank you! Finally, they score a touchdown." And I'm like, "Look what happens when you use Najee out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. You can methodically, ten to twelve yards at a time, march this thing down the field, and then it just it." It doesn't seem like they're really interested in that being a big part of their game plan. And I just think that you should be designing more things to get the ball in his hands in space. I think that's that's where he can Mm -hmm. thrive and that's where you can kind of overcome some deficiencies with his vision or with the run blocking from the offensive line. Before we get out of here on this episode, though, I know it's a loss, but you still got to pay these guys. And there were still (laughs) some guys on the Steelers that were some Monday moneymakers on a Tuesday, since we're doing this on a Tuesday now. But... (laughs) We'll come up with our Monday moneymaker uh, for the Steelers, and I'm going to take the one that I think you want, and so I'm sorry about this because they're it. few and far between, but I'm going to go with Minka Fitzpatrick again this week for my Monday moneymaker. Pay that man his money. Guy was solid on the defense side of the ball. He, he got that turnover. Uh, he's two for two now in turnovers, on pace for 17 interceptions on the season. 
he 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 always shows up to play, and he had a big impact on the defensive side of the ball. Problem was, the offense took his turnover and did bupkis with Nothing. it. You need to capitalize that's, on those. That's exactly what we were talking about in a previous episode was, oh, to the offense talking to the defense, oh, you're going to get an interception? That's cute. Well, guess what? We're not going to do anything. So if you want points on the board, you Make better, take, to take that to the you house. better intercept that ball and take it to the end zone yourself because we sure as hell aren't going to take it there for you. Yeah, so I'll give Minka my Monday moneymaker on a Tuesday today. Uh, that dude is just so money and, and worth every single penny that we paid him in the offseason. And now you get to cut in front of the line and get your paycheck first today. So there you go. Tom. Here you go. Can I just go with Minka Fitzpatrick as my? Uh, uh, Was there? You know what? You know what? I'll give you one. I'll give you one if you want. You don't have to make it yours or not. You can go with Minka if you want. Deontay. I was going to say if there's great two point conversion catch, anybody who deserves his money, it's Deontay Johnson. Pay that man his money. Yeah, on offense, he he was solid. Yeah, he he, was good enough. Yeah, that two point conversion, solid. He made he made good catches. That that third and seventeen, right? That little. That little uh, return route that he made, I mean, you're not going to make that catch unless you're Deontay Johnson, I don't think. Can you come up with a third guy? I can't. I can't either. I I mean, I barely came up with Deontay. (laughs) I technically did. Yeah, you you did for me. (laughs) It Uh, it was an all-around really poopy day for the Steelers offense. I mean, again, I could have said maybe a third guy, Pat Fryermuth. Mm, he got the touchdown. Yeah. It was it was a good it, maybe. It, he's he's just been consistent through the two weeks, but he like, it's and not to his fault at all. But he hasn't had the splash plays. But again, it's not his fault. I'm not blaming him. He's a tight end when he has two really good receivers that Mitch is also going to want to throw to. And we know something that we've talked about all episode long about Mitch is that. He's not going to take the time to look to his second or third options every single play. I'm getting tired of talking about the Steelers. It's too depressing. So let's come back. Let's talk about some NFL action from a great week two on the NFL scoreboard. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Opferman. Subscribe right now to our show, The Steelers Standard. Every episode we do is available for you to download. So subscribe today through the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you find your podcasts, Apple, Spotify. Subscribe on all of them, too, not just one. All of them. Don't pick just iHeart. Don't pick just Apple. Get accounts on all three, all four, and subscribe to The Steelers Standard. We'll recap. NFL Week 2 action on the next episode. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Opferman, and this is the Steelers Standard. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.